Welcome back to Clydesdale Media, where we bring you the best from the world of CrossFit. Podcasts, news, special interest, health, fitness. If you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button. Hit the notifier so you're the first to know when we have new episodes. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Clydesdale Media Podcast. I am Scott Schweitzer. She is Kat Shear, and our special guest is Lucy Campbell, the 16th fittest woman in the world. Lucy, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? I'm great. So you kind of hit the scene pretty, pretty hard this year. Everybody found out who you were real quick. Um, how long have you been doing this CrossFit thing? Um, so I started, I think four years ago now, um, I was kind of playing hockey after finishing quite a long swimming career. Um, and yeah, thankfully made the choice to step into a CrossFit gym and didn't look back. Did you say hockey? Yeah, like hockey was very recreational. It was my most recreational of the sports I did when I was growing up. Okay. Field hockey. And that was hockey. Feast. Field hockey. Okay. Yeah. Phew. Yeah. Still, it's still a, a contrast to swimming for sure. Oh, yeah. 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 I wasn't very good, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you and I have something very much in common. Um, I swam all the way into college. And nice. I was a distance swimmer as well as you. Oh, wow. Cool. What, 1,500? So, yeah, I did oh, the 1,000 and 1,500. When I was on the swim team as a child in the summer, I would feign drowning in the middle of the warm-ups <laughs> because five laps was about all I could do in a given day. Yeah. And so when the coach said 20-lap warm-up, I'm like, this ain't happening. <laughs> I'm a sprinter. So... So we're like twins, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, here in the States, we actually have meter pools and yard pools. So yeah. depending on which one you go to is what you swim. So it was either 1,500 in a yard or 1,650 in a, or 1,650 in a yard, 1,500 in a meter. 1,500. I remember, because um, at the games, I was trying to find out desperately whether it was going to be a 50 meter or 50 yard, because in all of the like publishing, it said 50 meter. And I was like, but I know that width weighs in a, in a, an American yeah, pool cool. is not 50 meters, which like, for me, I'm like, oh, great. It's even shorter than I want it to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It didn't seem to stop you in that event, but yeah, generally oh, the college pools are 25 yards wide and 50 meters long. So yeah. you can do both. They're super So is impressive. that what Madison was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was like a Massive. pool set up with a diving pool and everything. Like you don't get many pools like that in the UK. Like that's a, that is a super impressive pool. Like, and it, it just blows my mind. Like the facilities in the States are like next level because you have, we have a handful of 50 meter pools in the UK. Like it's not very common. It's not very easy to get to in terms of, um, yeah, the range that we've got. Um, but the fact that it's like, you know, feels like there's tons of them in the States. It's just, it's super impressive. It's, it's why college and university is so expensive here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot true. of money flowing through. <laughs> to be honest, it's also probably why a lot of like the British swimmers would tend to go to the States for uni. 
um, mm-hmm. or for college, as you guys call it. Like I was quite close to going and then made the choice not to, but it is, it's an incredibly tempting offer, especially if you can get scholarships because you guys offer so many scholarships. Like it's- Yes, we love yeah. our athletes over here. Yeah. <laughs> we do. This is the crazy thing, Lucy, where I grew up and it's super small town, no university around. Our recreational pool was a 50 meter Olympic pool on, and that it was just nuts. for where the kids came to play. And yeah. they, they did one meet a year. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause like when, um, when we were in Madison, um, we were in Verona. So just outside Madison in terms of where we were staying and it seems like the middle of nowhere. I have no, like, no context of like my geography of the States is not great, but it feels like it's in the middle of nowhere. And there was like an ice rink. There was like four um, baseball pitches, like all on one little section. I was like, this is nuts. Like given that that's like kind of your average town and like you'd be lucky in the UK if you get a city that has that kind of facility. Like it's, yeah, it's next level. And yet we're so out of shape as a nation, you know, in, in general, you know, we have all this sports and recreation type facilities and things, but mm. you know, the majority of people are not fit versus yeah. Europeans, you know, it's crazy. Well, I mean, I think every country has their own issues, but it's like, yeah, in terms of the facility, like it's nuts that it almost doesn't feel like it gets taken advantage of as much as it could do, I guess. Right. Um, yep. But like, you know, there's a whole psychology around like exercise and then eating behaviors and that kind of thing that, that like, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't mean good facilities doesn't mean high level of activity because there's too many factors in between those two things. So, yeah, as much as it would be great to have more you know, facilities, it doesn't necessarily mean that the activity level of the population would just go up as a result. Yeah. So growing up, you, you did gymnastics and swimming. Were your parents like, did they push you in that direction for your fitness or to tire you out? So it was easier to parent you. How, how did that go? Um, so initially like gymnastics started with like tumble tots. So it's just going as a toddler. Um, I guess it's, you know, you develop coordination, body awareness spatial awareness to an extent even at that level you're not doing gymnastics you're just basically having playtime. and then um quite quickly i went through the gymnastics um like setup there but we had a gymnastics club literally right next door to our house um like the next road along and so it was really convenient um and with the swimming side of things we live on the river so our garden backs onto the river um and so it was more of a safety thing initially um like myself and my my sisters all learned to swim just so that you know we could keep ourselves afloat basically if anything happened and we fell into the water um and all of us kind of progressed through the swimming club um to an extent um so like my sisters both went to Scottish nationals um, because my dad is Scottish so we can go to both Um, and then I went through to um, a bit of a higher level than that but yeah we it's just kind of the whole family was involved um, with swimming in particular. And do you just have sisters? Yeah two older sisters I'm the youngest. The baby of the family. (laughs) So 
I want to, it kind of goes back to our, like the facilities thing and all that. Sam Briggs, legend in the UK, CrossFit Games champion. I've read where you looked up to her a lot when you were younger. Why was there such a large gap between her and you for UK female CrossFitters? Oh, um, I have no idea. So firstly, I think with all of these things, um, I know that I am the second British female to qualify. And I just want to make sure that it's like in the old format. Obviously, we had our national champions and Meg Lovegrove should have gone to the games a year that it was at national champions year. Um, and I always feel a little bit bad that that kind of gets overlooked. Um especially because like I am now with Red Pill and Meg is with Red Pill. So I just want to like make sure that she gets the credit for that, that, you know, had everything gone right in COVID year, she would have qualified and she would have been there. Um, but I think with, with the individual side, with the old kind of regionals format, it's really hard to say. Like for me, honestly, I wasn't even involved really in CrossFit at that time. Um, like my first CrossFit year was the last regionals year um and so for me I feel like I've almost just had blinders on the whole time or blinkers on the whole time like a horse like I, I've just been doing CrossFit because I like doing CrossFit and it wasn't I wasn't really thinking about what other people were doing but like um honestly if we're looking at like you know pre at the regionals format it's probably just got something to do with the standard of the european athletes the european women are like you know there's a reason that most of them are in the top 20 at the games and it's just ridiculous like we've pretty much had a european woman on the podium for i don't even know how long like i'm sure someone can do the stats on that that like the reputation with the Icelandic girls, with, you know, Kristen Holter and the, the Norwegian girls that are coming out because of that standard to get into that top five at the regionals is so, so hard um, that I don't think it's necessarily saying anything about the British women. It's more saying something about the standard of the European women. Okay. I just was trying to get from you. Are there a lot of CrossFit boxes in the UK? Um, there's, it's definitely growing. Um, there are kind of more popping up every so often. I feel by no means is it necessarily at the level that it is like in the States. Um, because like timeline wise, I think we're quite far behind, but, um, it definitely is getting there. And there are certainly like, we had quite a few British women at the semis. So I do think that we'll start to kind of see, our group on a whole become a little bit more competitive over the next few years. Um, Cause like we had Taylor Howe in the last chance qualifiers this year. Um, you know, there was like Amy Kringle, Eva Burke, Meg, Saf Goddard. Like there was a, quite a few, Hannah Phipson, quite a few um, British women at the semis. Um, but yeah, I just think sometimes it like takes that time and takes that exposure at that level to kind of realize what you have to do to step up. Um, and I, I literally think it will just be a, a matter of time before 
we will start seeing more Brits um, at the games. So for you, I also read that when you first walked into a CrossFit box, it it was like it fit like a glove. Like that was what you were meant to do when you walked in. What what was it about that that experience that you knew this is where I need to be? It was just like I think I loved walking in there and you know, um everyone looked different. You didn't have a certain like one type of body shape that was the same across the board. Um, it was the day that I went was on a team workout as well. So like, it was quite nice to be part of a group. Um, and it, like, that was one of the things that I loved about hockey. Like I was, even though I wasn't great, I was training with people all the time. And when you compare that to swimming, which is kind of, you're training as a group a lot but like it feels very you know solitary as you know so i think i liked that kind of element of the session that we did um but also like even in that session i started to pick things up um quite quickly um you know i had warbles in and i'd done kind of warbles before but never with like a proper target um, and so just kind of getting the coordination of getting the wall ball to the target every time and making sure that like I throw it hard enough that it actually hits the target. Um, and like I got my first handstand push up in that session and there was an assault bike in it. And so there was all these like different things that I was just like, I knew that I wasn't good at it yet, but I knew that it would be the kind of thing that would hook me in that I would want to get good at. Um, so yeah, I think it was de it was definitely like the variety of the session that I was like, this is 100% a bit of me. Was there anything to the fact that men and women were in the same box and it was okay for females to be strong? Yeah, I mean, I do think I've always kind of loved that side of things. Um, that there is there's not many sports I feel where it feels like that, or at least I hadn't come from a sport that felt like that, like gymnastics, you are, you know, powerful in that, but it's not, you're not weightlifting or I wasn't weightlifting anyway, because I stopped when I was 12. So, um, and then with swimming, I, I always felt like as a distance swimmer, I didn't really fit in because I wasn't, it felt like they wanted me to be skinny and I wasn't naturally a skinny person. Um, I was quite, I, I, I wasn't necessarily muscly, but I was quite strong for, um, for a distance swimmer, I guess. Like when I was at Loughborough, I was lifting the same kind of weights or capable of lifting the same kind of weights as the sprinters were, but obviously I'm not a sprinter, so I don't need to be lifting that load. Um, but then, if I did want to be a sprinter, I was just too fit to be a sprinter. So I just felt like I was, I didn't really fit in because they were basically telling me to be skinnier and I naturally didn't really sit that way. Um, and so I just kind of liked the fact that with CrossFit, it's, that's a huge part of it. Like it's, you know, I still don't necessarily think that there is, a one body type at the elite level that you know 
is an elite crossfitter like if you look at the top 40 or even if you look at that podium like mal versus laura those are two different like you know mal's fairly short laura's quite tall there's quite a you know a, a variety at the games um and i think i kind of like that that you find what works for you and you have to maximize that Yeah, I love that. Um, and yeah, I can I can associate with that because I think I was the only distance swimmer on my team that was under six feet tall. Yeah. Because yeah. generally you're very tall and skinny and that was not me. Uh, but I was, yeah. I was not, I didn't have enough quick twitch to be a sprinter. <laughs> no. And that's the thing, like that's, that's only really in the pool. When you then it, go across to open water, which I did towards um well I guess from when I was like 14 um to when I went to uni it's a little bit more mixed to be honest um for a while you had some of the American girls that were quite slim but then like the um the Olympic champion in 2012 um was a woman called Eva Ristov from Hungary and she was not slim like she was not that you know she was big but she looked more muscly um and she looked like a slightly bigger frame and then similar like now we've got some some, some brazilians there's one called anna kunha 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 i'm not sure if i'm saying that right i'm probably murdering it because it will you know have a portuguese accent but like the those body shapes are really different and in open water you see much more of a range um so I think it is interesting that like even though I was doing open water I kept getting told to be slimmer and it was it was just uh like now that I'm out of it I'm very pleased to be out of it um but at the time you know you just try and do what you're told so also so let's talk about CrossFit now. And you made it to semifinals last year uh, where you finished ninth. Yeah. Did that give you the taste you needed to up your game for the, for this season? Yeah, I definitely think, um, I mean, I knew going into those semifinals what I needed to work on. Um. And unfortunately that came up. So, um, <laughs> you know, that's the risk you take with CrossFit is that there's always going to be something. Um, hopefully not at some point, but, you know. Um, and so that for me was the legless rope climb workout. Um, and I, it was just quite a high volume of legless rope climbs to what, I had the capacity for. Um, and so I really, really had to manage that. Um, and I didn't finish a workout. And then in the run up to the semis this year, I redid it and I finished a workout well within the time cap. And so it's something like when you put a time to it, it's probably like a six minute improvement on that, that um, event. Um, and so it definitely, it gave me the confidence in some events that I was like, okay, these are good enough. Like this is where it needs to be. Um, and it definitely kind of confirmed what I knew already about the things that I needed to work on, but it just gave me more time to then be able to work on it. 
So this year when legless was announced as one of the events that was going to be at every semifinal, were yeah. you more confident this year because you had worked on that in the off season? Um, I would say I was more confident that I would have been had it come up uh, last year, but I was not so confident that it would be where it needed to be for me to not be out of the runnings, if that makes sense. Like I was very much um, aware that um, it could still be a weakness. I wasn't really sure how that event was going to go. So this year you talk about the stacked European semis and you're in a battle with Sarah Sigmund's daughter to the end for that last spot to go to the games. What, what is that like when someone who's been in the sport for so long and is kind of a legend and you, you are fighting for that final spot? Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. It was, it was hard. Um, I think it was more hard because I know, you know, she is a fan favorite. I'm comparatively the newbie or I very much am the newbie. Um, and so I knew that, you know, me achieving my goal and getting, you know, the dream outcome of getting to the games would mean kind of ending that for someone else and her having that, you know, dream comeback year after the ACL injury and everything like that. And uh, so it wasn't the nicest position to be in, but like in that situation, I couldn't, I could, it's, you can't sacrifice your own performance just to give someone else a dream outcome. Um, and so I kind of knew that I had to make sure that it was a hundred percent, like forget who it is. As far as I was concerned in that situation, like, Sarah was athlete X. It doesn't matter who it who it was. Um, it just had to be 100% focus on what I had to do to, you know, solidify my place in that position. Um, so yeah, it was a uh, it was a bit strange, um, especially because then also I made the mistake of kind of reading a YouTube comment on one of the videos, and it was like, oh, the games like feels really weird without Katrin and Sarah there. And I was like, all right, like, sorry, <laughs> but at some point, you know, we need to, um, we got to move on. There will be new I athletes coming through. <laughs> and I think, yeah, not, you know, not that Sarah's never going to get back to the games and not that Katrin's never going to get back to the games, but like you kind of want new athletes to come through in the sport because at some point like that shows that the sport is progressing. And, sure. um, and so, it was a very strange situation to be in, but I also think that like, as I say, if, if the new athletes don't come in, um, you know, the sport doesn't really progress, I guess. Yeah. And it's not personal. It's business. I mean, this is no, yeah. your livelihood, right? Yeah, exactly. So we talk to a lot of athletes and a, and a lot of athletes have very, like a very big, good tunnel vision where they just focus on themselves you seem to truly be a fan of the sport. Like, you know, everybody, you know, their stories. And that's really kind of refreshing to hear. Um, did you watch a lot of stuff before you did it yourself? Um, yeah, I think me being, a, I'm not that I don't love CrossFit, but I'm less of a fan now that I'm an athlete 
and like I read up on people less now that I'm an athlete than I did when I was pre you know a semis qualifier and everything like that like um I think honestly like the athletes like Sarah for instance like Cara Saunders and all of them they got me into the sport and so that's probably why I know like bits about them but now that I'm an athlete I've kind of had to take that step back and like you know as you say it's not personal it's business but I've unfollowed some of them on Instagram because like they are now competitors and I don't need to be stressing about the fact that they're repping out at my one rep max and stuff like that like it's just it's not you know um something that is conducive to what I'm trying to do um and so I definitely would say that that kind of um knowledge I guess and fan side of it has shifted for me um in the last year or so kind of recognizing that my role within the CrossFit world has changed as well yeah and I think I think the media you know has grown with the sport as well and so probably when you were coming up in the sport you know prior to you making semis and things like that there's a lot of content out there to be had versus you know people coming up in 2014 2015 you know there was less coverage there wasn't you know yeah. all of these news outlets and nobody had their own blogs and and all that so i think it was more accessible um to you which is interesting but um curious about that you shutting off instagram and things like that was that something you did on your own or was were you working with someone like a coach or a mindset coach that sort of gave you that um recommendation no i mean i definitely um that was kind of off my own accord, but it was probably based on like conversations that I'd had with my coach and things like that, or um, my manager or general like friends and family. Um, mm -hmm. Just sometimes trying to recognize the effect that that had on me. Um, it was more, it, it was, it was just stressful things of like, like I say, watching someone rep at my PB and that kind of thing, because everyone blooming posts their lifts don't they 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 love a lift like because it looks good on instagram but i'm not the best at lifting and so for me that's really stressful um and i don't need to see that like it no one's gonna you know film their full 5k run and show that on instagram because it would just look boring um but those are the kind of things that I'm better at, you know, coming from swimming, coming from an endurance background. Um, the things that I'm good at are not Insta-worthy. Um, so I think that's the thing, like, for me, it was it was noticing that the things that people tend to post on Instagram are my weaknesses, essentially. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that was the thing that I was like, this is not helpful for me. Um, just trying to like recognize that the way that it was making me feel was not something that is beneficial for my performance. And that was the thing that then caused me to either mute them or just unfollow. Yeah. So that brings up a, an interesting question because as a professional CrossFit athlete, the way you make money generally is through sponsorships and being an influencer on social media so now you have to tightrope this fine line of how do I make money for myself? And you just said like the stuff you're good at isn't really IG worthy. Yeah. And so how do you make the posts you need to make and do all the stuff you need to do 
to make money with the sponsors and still be in the right headspace to be a great athlete? So I try and be as like real as I can on Instagram. And it's not me saying that other people aren't being real, but like the stuff that I post tends to be very much what I'm doing in training. Like it's not just going to be PBs if it's PBs and that's great, but also I potentially I'm going to keep those things to myself. Um, but if like, you know, you'll see a bit of me doing gymnastics, you'll see a bit of me doing lifting. You might see a bit of me sitting on, uh, and so I try to make it as real to the day-to-day things that I'm doing as possible, but also like I'm quite open on Instagram. I have a sports psychology degree, um, a sports psychology master's. So I, I like thinking about the kind of mindset stuff, um, And so I'm quite keen to kind of not necessarily use that for like growth in terms of helping followers and things like that. But like, I will be very honest with the things that I'm struggling with in training um, or the things that are going really well in training. And I think that for me is just, um, I hope it's quite refreshing for people um because I think a lot of kind of the top crossfitters especially it tends to be that you see less and less of their training and more and more of sponsored sponsored Instagram posts and although we do have to do those sponsored posts to keep our sponsors happy I think I don't want my Instagram to become just a feed of sponsored posts because I I don't love following that and I don't think that's fun to follow um and I don't think it's useful to anyone either um not to have that constantly so I'm quite cautious of like trying to you know keep sponsors happy and satisfy that but also give people something that they want to follow um and you know we all love a story and I think people follow you for your story so um yeah I think that's kind of how I try and manage it the more you talk, the more I just want to take my notes and just chuck them out the window. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, be- because you you keep opening all these cool opportunities. So confirming, you have a master's in sports psychology. Yeah. How old are you? You Lucy? are... Uh, 26. Okay. You are currently at Red Pill as yeah. your coaching. Okay. That is the perfect place for you. Um, yeah. So we work with, we work with Phil Mansfield. I've been listening. We love yeah. him. On, on the mindset piece. So how often do you, do you get the chance to talk to him and just go down all these theories? Cause he blows me away. He never has a note. He never has any, any espouses these theories and it's just, I'm in awe every time. Yeah. Yeah, so Phil isn't actually my coach. I'm with Cyril, um, who is, I think, officially the head coach, even though uh, Phil is the owner. Um, So I don't talk a huge amount to Phil, um, although he was in Mexico on our games prep um, because he coaches my training partner, Kelly, who I was training a lot with coming up to the games. She's in the Masters category. Um, and so there, there definitely is, 
um, a bit more kind of psychology chat, especially because, I mean, I was quite honest with it on Instagram, as I obviously said, I tried to be about what happened in the, uh, the back nine event. Um, I quite, uh, I've been suffering with a bit of a kind of mental block on my cleans. Um, and it basically all played out on the comp floor, which is like the, the worst thing in my head that could have happened to me. It was like my absolute biggest fear going into the event. Um, but Bill was trying to work quite a lot with me in Mexico on kind of dealing with that. And I'll be honest, it didn't feel like I had enough time in the run up to the games to be able to deal with it properly. Um, but it's those kind of things like, you know, we've got a training camp coming up. Uh, we're going out on Monday. Um, and so those are the occasions that I definitely like try and pull him to one side and honestly more ask me, ask him for my own benefit, like in terms of what do I need to do now? Because although, um, I guess I've got the learning side of things, you know, I've done the paperwork. There's my bit. Yeah. Okay. I've done the paperwork, I guess. Um, but I have never been good at the practical side of things with sports psychology. Um, and so even though I'm really interested in talking about, you know, exercise behaviours and the psychology of exercise and all the funky little things that we do as athletes um, to deal with the reality of being an athlete, like fear of failure and everything like that and fear of success sometimes, I'm not good at applying that to myself and so that's where kind of Phil and Cyril comes in um but Phil has a, obviously as you know a bit more of a background with psychology than Cyril does so um it tends to kind of be a um three-way partnership on that I guess yeah it's interesting too that you talk about the difference between sort of the theory and the application Right. Yeah. Like you can study it in a book and, and you can know it backwards and forwards. But when you have to apply it, especially to yourself. Right. It's, yeah. it's challenging. It's one thing to, you know, take on other people to sort of help analyze and, and, and assess. But to do it for someone else, for you know, for yourself is quite another thing. Yeah. Well, the other thing is that, like, with the way that um, we do sports psychology in the UK is that your masters gets you your BPS stage one, which is your British Psychological Society stage one qualification. And then you essentially have to do a almost um, equivalent to a doctorate to then be able to get your stage two. And the, the stage two is basically more about going out then and working with athletes. So I never did that. And I haven't done that. I might do that someday down the line when I finish with CrossFit. But Mm -hmm. I think that's that's obviously the bit that I've missed out on. So that practical side of thing is actually really um, like the where I lack, step. I guess. Yeah. So you've also done some coaching yourself in a, in a CrossFit box. Do you see yourself someday being like a Phil where you take your degree and your experience and put it together to be an elite coach? I've never really thought about it, to be honest. I, there's a lot of things that I would want to do before I properly start coaching. And to be honest, it's one of the reasons why, like, um, 
I don't think I would go into the online coaching kind of scene just yet, especially because I think I could do it for swimming and there might be a few things kind of in the pipeline, definitely in my head, mental pipeline um, to kind of bring out some kind of swimming program. Um, but in terms of CrossFit specifically, like I feel like I don't know enough that I would feel happy to be able to do that at this point in time, especially when I look at the level of service and the level of knowledge that the guys at Red Pill have. Like I would want to, I think, go through the Red Pill, Red Pill mentorship before I start thinking about any of that sort of stuff. Well, it's cool that they have that, right? And yeah. it's something you, and you're young enough, you don't have to think about it today, right? <laughs> but it knowing it's out there and that your background would allow that, that's like a cool opportunity. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, all right, let's 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 bring it back to CrossFit a little bit. <laughs> I read that going into your rookie year at the games, you didn't want to put a target anywhere. You just wanted to go kind of experience it. Did you have a good experience this year at the games? On the whole, yes. Um, firstly, I would say that Although I wanted to go and experience it, I wasn't just there to have a good time. So I did have, like, I I wanted to do well. well. You did win um, some events. So yeah. you definitely weren't there just to have a good time. Check. Yeah. Um, so I would say that the experience on the whole was really good and honestly, like, invaluable for hopefully the rest of my career in that, like, you literally cannot um you cannot tell what is going to happen until you get there like you don't know what it feels like you don't know what happens behind the scenes and all of the you know stress of the briefings and everything like that you just have no idea of that side of things um until you're there and until you've experienced it the first time and so this year going into next year fingers crossed I qualify again next year. I know that I have learned a huge amount in terms of that side of it. Um, and so I think that those experience, like, yes, on the whole, it was great, but there were some things that I know I could have done better. Um, even though, like, as I say, with it being rookie year, there's so much that you can't plan for. There's so much that you actually just have to learn when you are there on the wood, on the comp floor. Um, but that doesn't mean that I am 100% pleased with my performance necessarily. So let me ask you this in swimming. Did, how many times did you swim the perfect race? Oh, maybe twice. Yeah, I think it's yeah. it's it's because I would say probably the same, and two might be giving it a little bit much for me. But yeah, then to go to a, an event like the CrossFit Games that is so widespread, and everybody like I could have done better on some things. Well, yeah, yeah, because I don't think anybody's going to have a perfect CrossFit Games. Yeah, no, exactly, and I think I think the thing that I was. I guess a little bit disappointed with was like the polarity of my results. Like I won two events. That's super exciting. 
and almost unbelievable that I won that second one. But I also came really close to the bottom on quite a few. And that's just, you cannot have that. Like, you just can't. And some of them were silly mistakes. Some of them I'm annoyed with myself that I didn't think on my feet better and try things differently and back myself to try things differently. Um, but that's the thing. Like, those are the things. Oh, so um, turns out I suck at skipping. I could have told you that before, mm. to be fair. I was rubbish at single unders before I went to the games and I didn't need the games to show me that I'm still rubbish <laughs> at single unders, but it did. Um, and so I was doing the like two foot together single under, like, the, you know, the really quick skips. And behind the seat, they'd obviously said that we could do the running skips as well. And behind the scenes, I tried the running skips and tripped, whereas my other ones were going surprisingly well. And so I was like, right, that's the way that I'm going to do it when I got onto the comp floor. Anyway, I must have tripped about four times. And in my head, like now looking back at it, obviously, I'm like, you did the same thing over and over and tripped four times I should have I, at that point I literally had nothing to lose I should right. have tried the running skip and I didn't and now looking back at it I'm annoyed that I didn't figure that out quicker mm -hmm. um but you know it's the heat of the moment and sometimes you don't make smart decisions even though on the whole I like to think that I usually make good decisions on the comp floor that was one of the times that I absolutely did not. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a it was a one or the other and not a both in your head, right? Yeah. You were thinking, I'm gonna do one or the other, this is what I'm gonna do, that's what I'm gonna do. So yeah. that's understandable. Any any big surprises for the for the, for you for the weekend in terms of experiences, whether it be performance, interactions with people, fans? Um Honestly, I think I'm more surprised that I wasn't super intimidated by the people that I was around. Um, like, I've got this picture, and it's from the, I can't remember, up and over event with the ring muscle-ups and the, like, box jump over and the log jump over and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm in the end lane, but I'm in the end lane next to Cara Saunders, Amanda, Barn Amanda Barnhart, and Thuri Helgadotter. And though that, to me, is, like those are proper games veterans. Like they've been so many times um, that I almost, I can't believe that in that moment, in that week, that felt so normal. Um, and I think I was kind of expecting to be a little bit more daunted by that, just because I remember like in the times in swimming where I was in a heat with like Becky Adlington in the middle lane, so Olympic champion, I was super intimidated and like kind of one of those situations where like if you were in line with them, I'd back off because I'd be like, oh God, I'm going way too quick. And to be honest, I definitely was going too fast if I was in line with Becky Adlington. But like it's having that mentality of being like, no, I, I like I deserve to be next to them and I deserve to, you know, put my name in the ring with all of these really good games veterans. I think that's the thing that I was more surprised um, by during the event that like I, I wasn't really phased by it. Mm -hmm. 
surprised and maybe proud of yourself? Yeah, definitely. I think it shows to myself like a lot of growth in that sense that like, even though it still feels weird that people are starting to know who I am in CrossFit, it's like, I deserve to be there and I can recognize that I deserve to be there. Um, and yeah, that, that I'm proud of myself for that. There's like that kind of personal growth there, I guess. Yeah. So you had, you had two of your, you had your two worst finishes the end of day one. Oh yeah. Back, back to back from a psychology standpoint, how do you put that behind you so that on Thursday you're ready to take on shuttle to overhead and get rid of that? Um, I think I just knew that like there was still the weekend was barely started yet. Like we call it a weekend. It's a week. It's a long time. Sure. And we'd barely started. We were three events in 10 events, hopefully to go. And in my head, I wasn't even thinking about the cuts, like, because there is absolutely no point in stressing about that until you really need to. Um, and I didn't see myself as needing to at that point. And so it was just kind of, I guess, reframing, um, not reframing, but really focusing on the opportunities that were in the rest of the events that you can't change anything that's happened. I knew that I was rubbish at dips. I need to get better at dips. So I will get better at dips. And that's why Elizabeth was so bad. Um, and I, <laughs> what are you going to do? I suck at double, I suck at single unders. Like there's nothing that I can do about that at the time. I am now better at single unders. So there is improvement, but like, there's just no point in kind of, um, you know, focusing on that too much because it's not going to benefit the rest of the weekend. Um, and me kind of beating myself up is not going to put me in a good headspace for what hopefully will be better events. And we didn't know is either, like we didn't know what most of the other events were going to be. Um, and so, yeah, it's just like, if I carried that with me, um, I think it would have not done me good for the rest of it. Yeah, the good the good news is you knew it wouldn't be single honors and it wouldn't be dips again, probably. Chances yeah, exactly. Although this is the away. thing that yeah, I was so um annoyed about the uh skill medley, largely because I'm really good at handstand walking. I can do that ramp easily, I can do like the pistols would have been completely fine, I can do the pirouette completely fine. I know that I at least would have got to the top of the legless pegboard. And those are the things that I'm like, I missed that opportunity to show that I can do those things and to show that I'm good at those things. And so that one did, um, like I, I maybe held on to that one for longer than I should have done. Um, but I think in that, I just saw the missed opportunity as I, and I was like, well, I've messed it up now because handstand walks aren't going to come up again oh, and right. pistols aren't going to come up again. And actually again, yeah. like, that took me having that rant to my coach to be like, okay, right. We'll uh, move on from that now. <laughs> yeah. When you bounce back well, because shuttle to overhead, many of the people finished high in one low in the other or vice versa. And you kind of, you had a, I think it's in seventh and a 14th. So top 15 in both, not too shabby. And that was kind of a nice back bounce back before you got into Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, definitely. And I think like our plan was to 
try and push the um, run. And I knew that kind of scares me a bit because I'm like, oh God, what if I try and push the run and I'm still not near the front of the run? You know, just that like that mental, how does that play with your head when you're trying to push something and actually you're still not maybe where you need to be on it? Like, thankfully for me, well, two things. My coach was like, that's you comparing yourself to other people as to how you kind of dictate how well that event is going. Um, and he obviously was completely right. And the second thing was that, like, luckily for me, it did go okay that that run, like, I pushed the run and I was near the front in the run. Um, and also, like, of the lifts, my jerk is probably one of my better lifts, like jerks and snatches, the overhead movements. I like them. Um, and so I was almost happier to take that risk and push that, knowing that actually I wouldn't be at risk of like failing loads and loads of jerks. I'm not, I, I'm usually pretty consistent with my jerks. So I think that was the thing that made me kind of confident to take that risk. Um, and like, thankfully, because it gave me a little bit more time on the barbell, even though I wasn't, you know, repping out some of the jerks like the other girls were um it was ultimately the time on that that kind of allowed me to get an okay score so yeah it was um a solid outcome overall well so what what did you learn about yourself at this year's games oh that's a deep question um i think I, I'm really pleased with the way that I um, turned around the last two events on the Sunday. So the experience on the back nine where it was like hands down my lowest point of the games to then be able to come out for Jackie and be able to do what I did there. Like I didn't, I knew that I could be tough, but I didn't know how kind of strong mentally I could be necessarily until like, you know, you get put in that position and you don't have a choice. And even had I not won Jackie Pro, that would have been a really positive outcome for me that I was able to go into it and not still be thinking about the last event, even though that was as bad as it could have gone. Um, and I think what else did I learn about myself? Um, honestly, I, did, I think it's just given me a little bit more, I guess, confidence in a way that it's like the, even though there are things that really didn't go well, um, the things that went right, went really right. And it's just knowing that, you know, as long as I can keep working on the weakness and bring the average up, that position, like I'm 16th at the moment, but actually those kind of, there was quite a few places that were quite tight on the points. Um, not that I was paying attention to it at the time, but it's good to know that it feels like there's some really easy wins that I can do to get better. Um, and that's what excites me so much for next year because 
you know, if I don't have two near last place finishes, three near last place finishes, like those are the things that they do count big time on this. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, I'll win another two events next year, but hopefully there'll be another swim and I'd like to throw my name in the hat for that one. But it's, it's those kind of things that um, I guess I didn't realise how good I could be at some of those things. Like I had no idea that I would do that on Jackie Pro. And yeah, blows my mind. Have you done have you done all the math problems like the what ifs, you know, no, based on those finishes or anything me. like that? No. <laughs> I think it, I think I would just end up kicking myself even more. And like, <laughs> I can't go back and change it. I know that they sure. need to get better. I don't know how much I don't need to know how much they need to get better by, you know, especially because CrossFit is so varied. Like next year could be a completely different games. I don't think we were expecting half of the curveballs that we got this year. I certainly thought that after like the legless pegboards and the you know, pike up to handstand or tuck up to handstand that like that would be it for the new moves to ticked off. And then they came out with the parallettes and then they came out with, you know, the wall facing handstand pushups. And it just kept <laughs> feeling like there was another new movement that they were throwing at us to the point where I kind of threw a hissy fit at my coach after one of the events. And I was like, what is happening? But yeah. It, it may change so, the face of uh, games prep for the rest of time. Oh my, <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah, hundred percent. Gosh, I have so many different ways I could go with this. And we only have like seven minutes left. I know. We got to talk about um, Rogue. She's we? not going to Rogue. Oh, you're not going to Rogue. Um, no, I uh, have a bit of a wrist niggle that needs resting. Um, okay. And so it's not the smart choice. You could have gone to Rogue if you wanted to. I could have gone. I, it's okay. set, Honestly, like I had no idea about um, the format of it in terms of what they do to support the athletes that are going. Um mm -hmm. It's quite amazing. That is a game changer. That is honestly incredible. And like with swimming, I, because I was on the national team, you know, I completely took for granted the fact that all of that's lottery funded. So we don't pay for any of the flights, accommodation or anything like that when you're traveling with the GB team. Mm -hmm. And so the cost of the games was quite eye-watering. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. And so the fact that Rogue does what it does to help athletes get there um, and support athletes when they're there, that is incredible. Like, 100% hats off to them. There needs to be more comps like that because it is, like, I think people don't realise, especially if you're not in the States, like, just yeah. how expensive it is to get there. Um, yeah, it is. Rogue are doing it right. And, and the fact that every athlete gets prize money. Yeah. They pay all the and way to 20th amount. and there's only 20 athletes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is the first year I'm not going to be there, which just kills me inside. <laughs> but they just, the, the way the athletes are treated while they're there is first class. Yes. Um, it's, the, <laughs> I, in my opinion, the premier event of the off season. Who uh, who owes you big time for not for not doing this? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I'm trying not to think about it too much because I'm already getting FOMO. <laughs> there are there are a couple of female athletes that owe you big time. Is all I'm saying, right? <laughs> Somebody took your place. <laughs> yeah, and they're getting the. Opportunity. It is what it is. Hopefully, like 
making the smart choice now means that I'll be able to put in a performance next year that warrants an invite. And that's the goal ultimately. Like I absolutely hopefully be here a while. So I'm hoping it's not going to be the only invite. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have, so are are all your off season stuff kind of on hold right now, just based on how you're feeling and what's going on with your training? Um, No, I'm still planning on doing what a palooza, but that's the only one really um, that I've spoken to with my coach about. Um, It just like, I feel like I'm one of the few athletes that's really disappointed that it's only two days as an individual this year um, because it's a long way to fly for a two day event. Mm, Yeah. Well, you can always hop on a team and compete throughout the weekend. Just find another gal pal. I just hate the worm. I'll be honest, don't like the worm. (laughs) I will tell you, you're not the only athlete. We put out a poll and every CrossFit athlete hates or said no, they did not like the new format. The new format, yeah. Yeah. Only fans voted yes, they liked it. (laughs) Really? Well, I guess that's probably because they're more likely to get the individuals jumping on a team and so you you see it all, I guess. But um, yeah, from from an individual perspective, it's like, what a palooza is one of the big events and I, like you know don't get me wrong i loved it last year and i'm sure i will fingers crossed love it again this year um it's just that like i really prefer a longer event um like you know the four-day format for me it was it was great um and i think with the volume of training that we do as well i yeah. like feeling good when everyone else feels tired so um <laughs> Yeah. Right. Like, give me one more event. <laughs> give me. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. It also gives you a run through of eating during a competition, resting during a competition. It gives you like a walkthrough of that. When it's only yeah. two days, you really don't get that then. No, exactly. And to be honest, I think that one of the, looking back on the games, like there are some things there that I didn't get right. Like my nutrition was not well planned. And I, I, yeah didn't get those things right and so it's like you know you look for these opportunities to kind of test those boundaries of like how soon before an event can I afford to eat before I start seeing start feeling sick during the event and that kind of thing um but yeah two-day event is not it doesn't provide those same kind of challenges as an athlete I guess we'll see nutrition nutrition is tough too because it's not just you can't it's not one size fits all for everybody and even you could have the same athlete, same weight, same type of athlete, you know, an endurance athlete like yourself, and you could feed them the same way. And it's just going to affect them differently because <laughs> of your chemistry yeah, and everything else. So it's hard Definitely. to coach that as well, I would imagine. Yeah, you've got to practice. So my last question for you is, with the way you came on the scene, two event wins, all of that, your exposure has gone way up. Like I have seen you everywhere since the games. Um, how has that changed your life in trying to schedule everything and, and keep your goals and priorities set? Um, I think for me, it's honestly not been that difficult. I will also add, and you know, frustratingly, um, people keep getting my name wrong <laughs> and like I've spoken to Sean Woodland about it because it happened at um what a palooza I got called like Ellie Turner I got called Emma McQuaid 
Uh, I think I got told Emma Tall as well at, at one point. And that was like, to be fair, I was full on stranger at that point. Like no one knew who I was at Wadapalooza. But then um, Boz was on the Talking Elite Fitness podcast and credited Cara Saunders with the Jackie Pro event win. And so I like put up a bit of a kind of jovial uh, reel, just being like, um, hello, I won that uh, event, please. <laughs> Good for you. But, I think with things like that, <laughs> it's like, and I've not really known how to approach it, I guess, because I don't want to, you know, be seen to be overly criticizing things, but those kind of experiences are what helps us with exposure as athletes. And like, if my following goes up massively, it helps me with getting more sponsors and things like that, because I'm more favorable to sponsors, even though in my head, like I would love to for it to be, solely based on performance that's not the reality of the social media world that we live in um it's not a merit-based system necessarily not entirely no um but i am very lucky that like i work with a pr company i have a manager and that they are the reason that you've been seeing me um like i i have not done that i've not been the one that's like flogging my name out there and trying to get coverage um so for me like they make my job easier because I don't have to worry about any of that like I am very much I do my training I post what I'm told to post and hopefully get it right and that's the extent of like what I have to do in terms of the rest of the stuff in terms of you know obviously you guys contacted me to get on this I just send it straight away to Saskia at the PR company and they worry about the scheduling and everything like that. And that just really helps me out because I'm useless at this kind of stuff. Like I suck at replying to messages. Like <laughs> the only people that I'm consistent with replying to are like my manager and my coach and everyone else. I'm like, I'm really sorry. It's taken me five days to reply to this. So if it was just down to me, I wouldn't be doing anything because I'd just be so useless at like scheduling myself that no one would see my face anywhere. But um, yeah, all of that stuff is 100% credit to them. And in all fairness, we did reach out to you before the games, but I'm, you no. were in training mode and we wanted to respect that. Um, and so we we knew who you were before the games. <laughs> yes. so, all right, I, I noted, I noted. But um, also, we just got you know. There's more to talk about after the games, anyway, isn't there? So, sure. it's better yeah. content. And I didn't even, I didn't even touch <laughs> our notes. Yeah, we have, which we is have awesome. More That's when I love the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely have to have you on again. I'll come again. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Lucy, thank you so much for jumping on. Um, you are one fascinating individual, and I'm so glad you took some time out with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been fun. Thank you so much for joining Clydesdale Media for today's episode. If you like what you hear, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, and make sure you hit the notifier so you're the first to know when new episodes are out. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time with Clydesdale Media.